Hi, this is Roy Thomas. You're listening to Crusader Chronicles. You're listening to Crusader Chronicles episode 55, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 199 and X-Men number 128 from September 1979. Welcome to the 55th episode of Crusader Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Christatos. Crusader Chronicles is a podcast that will journal through the comic book issues read chronologically by the release date from my comic book collection, either in digital, in a trade, or from the many long boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings of the issue or issues for that release date. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection and having some fun along the way talking about them with my friends. And speaking about my friends, joining me for the 55th time, woo, we have Jared Elbrick, a.k.a. Death Pro. All right. <laughs> but I am feeling good. I took a nap, got some good sleep. I'm feeling well healed. Uh, just everything's getting right. And with that, you guys have got to get the f- out of here. <laughs> what? Hey, you is, that cost- you- is that a costume over? Don't concern yourself. Just get oh. out. Sorry. Right. Or something. Yeah, we are all friends gonna- again. And this is wonderful. And I appreciate you guys being here and caring about me in, in this time. But get out. Why do you have Spider-Man pants on. I can <laughs> these are, see them. Below. These are pajamas that I find comfortable. Get out. Mm, 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 mm. Can I have some of those eggs? Those eggs look delicious. No, do, just get out of here and do not come back. Just a little bite, man. Just until bite. you are Betty Brant. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. You know, Betty's no, it's really you. great to see you yeah. guys. And I'm glad we're all friends again, but get out. All right. Well, with that, 55 episodes and this is how you treat us. Okay, I just seriously, yeah. stop talking. Oh. Go, go, get out of here and go oh, talk to okay, somebody else. Hey, Jared, just so you know, we're here for you, buddy. Hey, I, you, you know to... what? I love you too, man. But for now, move along. Well, we'll move along then. We'll talk to the better half of you of the Albrecht. So let's go ahead and see how the weasel skull, Jason Albrecht, is doing. Hopefully he's not going to kick us out. No, no, not going to kick you out. I'm sitting here wondering, like, how is Mysterio going to be defeated? It's, like, impossible. Oh, weasel skull! I got Mysterio right here. How did you get Mysterio? Well, you see, it's not really that difficult. He just makes illusions, baby. He like he made like acid rain and like teardrops and a tiger leaping out at me. But baby, that happens to me every Friday night. <laughs> every Friday night. <laughs> he ain't got nothing that I don't have in my purse. <laughs> <laughs> Not that hard, Peter. Not that hard. That's all I'm saying. Mary Jane just comes at him with some trance sticks, and that's yeah. that's all she wrote. Right, I just went like this. They can't see me in the audience, but I'm just waving my arms like, 
<laughs> and he just followed me right home. Now, if you don't mind, we're going to go get our fishbowl on. Oh, I don't even want to ask or even watch or me whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Oh. Sorry. Sorry, Pat. Yeah. Every well, time. I told you guys to make sure we shut and lock that door when it's time to record because Mary Jane is always coming in. I could have sworn I did. I think she's picking the lock or she's got a master key or something. I mean, I if she has all those other things in her purse, she got to yeah, have a lock uh, picking. You know, well, that is true. She has helped me inside the house when I forgot my keys when I was out decorating one time, putting up the lights on the outside, and I forgot my keys on the inside, and somehow the door is locked because I was going to come in and ask you guys if you wanted to help me or not. But <laughs> Oh, I mean, yeah, that's, that's messed yeah, up. So, but luckily, Mary Jane was coming <laughs> back from somewhere, and she was able to get some help in. But anyway. Why don't we go see how Delvin the Dark Web Williams is doing? I'm pretty good. I feel like uh, someone has to do an X-Men bit since we got too spidey, so I had to think of something very, very quickly. This is what I came up with. So just as a tip, if you're ever just a normal, regular human being in a fight with dangerous mutants, shoot to wound. Mm. That, that's just an excellent strategy to follow. Shoot <laughs> To wound. Don't get me started early. <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. I smell bitter. <laughs> I haven't smelled like that before. It's coming back again, I guess. I don't know. We will see what happens. All right. Well, I had something special going on for you guys. So just wanted to introduce you guys to a very special guest I have with me. It's my friend, Howard. Do you guys know my friend, Howard? No. Yeah. Uh-uh. Who's Howard? Who's Howard? Howard D's nuts. <laughs> Okay, that Everybody laugh. Well, He's been holding on to this for. <laughs> He's like, it's been a long time since we busted out the uh, the cricket sound effect. Yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> I, was, I was just stunned. I was like, huh? Howard these nuts. Yes, how Howard these nuts. Yes, I, I get it now. It's it's, it's a these nuts joke. I, yes. I'm not too familiar with those. We don't really do those here. No, yeah, no. I thought I'd try something special, but mm. obviously it didn't work out. So. Well, just I'll let me make sure I write that down. That one didn't go. Yeah, and put it in the boat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now that Howard is over with, why don't we go ahead and get started with this episode's issue? But before we do that, let's take a quick podcast promo break, and we will be right back. Come out to play. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the featured comic for this episode. And it is Amazing Spider-Man number 199. Ooh, we're getting close to 200. Ooh. Oh, 
Can't believe it. Right there, right on the doorstep. Yeah. So the credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Publisher was Marvel. It got a cover date of December 1979, but its on-sale date was September 11th, 1979. Cover price was 40 cents. Editor and writer is Marv Wolfman. Ow! Penciler, Sal Busema. Inker is Jim Mooney. Letter is Joseph Rosen. And colorist is George Russo. Did I say that right? This is reprinted in Essential Spider-Man Volume 9, trade paperback, or you can find it in Marvel Masterworks Volume 245 of Amazing Spider-Man Volume 19. And also on Marvel Unlimited. Cover credits go to penciler Keith Pollard. The anchor is Pablo Marcos. And speaking about the cover, let's get a cover description from Jared. The Marvel Comics Group banner is yellow with black letters. Like A, B, C, and D. Spidey stands in his orange corner box, which has no official measurement, but typically is anywhere from 10 to 30 feet. The Amazing Spider-Man logo is white with red highlights and the webs inside out and outside in. The main cover art is a four-quadrant panel action series, and in the center is the head of Mysterio, probably inflated to about 2 PSI. The four panels show Spider-Man swinging down to the street, but simply phasing through the court as Mysterio says, I've got you now, Spider-Man. You're going, going, gone. Cover blurb at the bottom reads, Mysterio is another name for madness. You're out. Thank you for that four square. Oh, you got it? <laughs> description. Wow. I know. I wow. Think, I didn't think anybody was going to get those four square. Uh, it, it was, oh, right I played with four square back in my day. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, I should have guessed it when you were like A, B, C, and D. And all I was like, I was just disappointed because Delvin didn't go D's nuts. Uh, and I was going to jump in, but then I was like, nah, it's too far gone. But. <laughs> I totally missed the four square. Uh, dang, Pat, the, how'd you, the, how'd the, you piece the PSI, that? the PSI gave it away. Really? The rubber ball. Yeah. <laughs> dang. Yeah, missed it. I played some four square too. It's a very fun game. <laughs> yeah. uh, it took me a little more like, hey, BC, what is he doing here? And then. I'm yeah, thoroughly yeah. impressed. I really, because I was like, nobody's going to do this. And I'm going to have to go back and point out all the Foursquare references. But man. No, as soon as he said it, I was like, it was right there. It was right there. I just didn't catch it. Pat did. Yes. Brain like a trap here. I got brains good like enough a brain to brains, remember. Brains yeah. like a trap. I can brains make like a trap. trap. Brains, brains like a trap. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Now that back. your kids are out of the house, man, you're going to be like all sharp as a knife, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But obviously not. My bits aren't working tonight. So anyway. Nah, I mean. I got to compensate you know, with my smartest. You know what they say? Unlucky in bits, lucky in cover description guesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a very common sign. Yeah. yeah. That's true. I've heard that before. I got that going for me. All right, well, let's go ahead and get to some quick cover thoughts, and we will start with Delvin. Keith Pollard's on the cover, and man, I hate to pick up a continuing theme of a little bit of a nagging. The idea of the cover is good. You got Mysterio in the middle of it, you know, looking all mm-hmm. cool and Mysterio-y, and, it, and it's divided into four things, but I'm not a fan of any of the three Spidey poses. It just, all the poses just kind of looked, I don't know, a little plain and out of sorts, like B to C level Spider-Man. You, you know what they look like? Remember? What's that? Uh, color forms. Color forms, yes. Yeah. You get these little you know. stickery things that you could kind of, they stuck mm-hmm. to things through static. I got you. Yeah. That's what that looks like. Like, you can put Spider-Man in different poses and on these action yeah. scenes. Put it this way. The cover 
box picture of Spidey is better than any of the pictures of the actual cover. And something about that didn't sit right with me. Good idea for the cover. And even went out of the way to do the scenery in each of the covers as well. But just something with the Spidey poses did not like. Passing on to Jason. Go ahead, Jason. I had a question for Jared, just picking up what you said about the background scenery, because it looks to me like it's static for the most part, like he used a storyboard. I used to have this computer program that had different Marvel backgrounds, and then you could, almost like a digital version of color forms, you could put different characters on there in different poses, and it reminds me of that. Do you see what I mean? Am I off base here? Because the buildings look identical. Yeah, if I had to guess, because just looking at it, what he probably drew looking at this is probably the car and the buildings. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And then the he probably went ahead and just light boxed that four times. And then he was able to like, OK, I'm going to person here. Because the, really the only thing that changes is the, is the people, the amount of people that are gathering. And so that's probably what he did. I, I can't say for sure. He might have redrawn it four times. But if he did, then that's just dumb. You know, <laughs> you might as well just trace your own work and light box and move along. But yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. It feels very color formsy. Yeah, I think Pat nailed it for me. It's it's that color forms effect that just isn't really doing it for me. I like the they're trying to set up the tension of the battle between Spider-Man and Mysterio. But for me, this cover doesn't really grab me. It looks almost like something that should be on the interiors. Of it. And I'll pass it to Pat. I think you guys have kind of said the same thing that I would say. One thing that I do like is the logo. I like that black and then just the amazing Spider-Man popping off of that mm-hmm. with the red. And um reminds me of like a later 90s cover that I think they went to a black background like that. And it just made it really pop up front for me. So I like that. Mysterio in the middle. It's all right. Yeah, it is something off. And I think that's probably what it is, Jason, is that it's that static look of the four squares, the backgrounds in it, that just keep throwing me off. So, yeah, Jert, Jert, what are your thoughts? Same thing. Just, I guess Crusader Chronicles just isn't the kindest to Keith Pollard. I mean, still a good artist, not mm-hmm. a bad drawing, but just doesn't draw me in, no pun intended. I'm always leery of the multi-panel cover you Mm -hmm. know we've had a couple of them and really i think so far the best one we've had on the show was probably a hulk one because it had like i knew you were going to say the hulk one yeah yeah, Yeah. it had like three very different vignettes and and i i really do prefer just a one image cover over over the multi but you know this one it's not even really different vignette it's a sequential piece Mm -hmm. which is new and different but it just a, a dynamic Spider-Man fighting with Mysterio would have been better. Definitely agree. Well, let's go ahead and rate this one on our official Crusader Chronicles scale of one through five. Five is you loved it. It tickled your tummy feathers. Four, you really liked it. Three, liked it. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It ruffled your tummy feathers. Ooh, I'm kind of leery to see what everybody thinks about this one. Jason, we'll start with you. I was afraid you are going to start with me. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to give this one a two, fellas. To me, it does not do the interior story justice. And that's a cardinal sin for me with the book. This cover looks like a lot of shortcuts taken. And like we said, we know Pollard's a good artist. 
but he is phoning it in with this cover right here. So, you know me, I don't, I think hard before I give out a two, mm-hmm. out sure. a two with this one. I think it's fair. Delvin. I think it's fair, Jason. I'm at a three. It's like not a super enthusiastic three, but I like the idea of the cover. And if it were minus the Mysterio in the middle of it, it probably is a two to me with the Mysterio in the middle of it. That kind of divides the four of them. It gave a unique feel to it. And so that keeps it at a three for me. Jared, what do you think? More so than maybe any time before. I use this joke every episode, but I genuinely wish Joe November was here to give it a 2.5. I I feel like that's what it deserves. But you know what? We have rules here. All right. Yeah, we do. I mean, you got to think. You got a rating system. You got a responsibility. I mean, you don't just sit around here giving out decimals and fractions. You get off your ass and you round up that fucking number. <laughs> that's right. We yeah. like whole numbers. We like whole numbers here. <laughs> well said, sir. Well said. <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, it's t- I tugged both ways because this is one of the comics I had in my collection. That spoiled something that's coming up, didn't it? And so I remember looking at it fondly, but artistically, yeah, I, I'm going to give it a two. It's not a spiteful two. Like, I feel bad about it because the definition of two is I don't like it. I wouldn't mm. quite go that far, but I can't go three either. I'm just going to let it fall into the two. Okay. Two Elbert Bros got it at a two. What am I going to choose? Well, I'm glad you asked. Wait, you asked yourself. <laughs> yes, I did ask myself because no one is asking. Uh, all right, no. Pat, I got a question for you. Yeah. These nuts. Oh, oh I'm talking about my friend Howard. <laughs> I left out the whole Howard part. I'll try yeah. again later. <laughs> Seriously, though, Pat, what are you going to give it? I understand where you guys are coming from. And wait, wait, wait. You didn't say I'm glad you asked? That's what the whole point of him setting that up was for. I did already. Oh, I did. Oh, but but you did right. it for yourself. Now he did it for you. All right. Well, I'll put it back. All right, Jared, Jared, ask him again. We got to get this right. All right. Pat, what are your thoughts on the cover? Well, Jared. These um, nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. For reals. For reals. I couldn't resist. All right, Pat, what are your thoughts on the cover? Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. I'm kind of thinking the same way you and Jason are, but I'm also feeling what Delvin's saying. I myself like the Amazing Spider-Man. The title cover... Uh, and I do think having Mysterio in the middle is pretty neat looking as well, too. So I had a thought as we were talking about the cover description and as we get into the interior as well, with this being 199 there's probably a lot of rushing maybe going on or just filling work to get some some of these last issues up to this point done, probably because mm-hmm. yeah, 200 is going to be yeah. a big issue. Yes, good thought. So... I'm going to give it a three. So we will have a divided LBC crew here between twos and threes. It's just squeaking by for me for a three. So we're going to need our listeners to tell us, are you on the side of the two Rose? cool guys? Wait a minute. Hey, hey, hey. You can't take two cool guys from me and Delvin. But we're twos. We're two cool guys. All right. Well, then it's going to be two Wild and crazy guys that get the ladies. Hey, that's us. That's us. I was going to say three cool guys, but that that didn't quite add up. There's (laughs) the same exact thing. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to need your help. Please sound off in the social media comments wherever this is posted. We want to know whose side you're on. 
the bros, two cool guys, or two wild and crazy guys with me and Delvin with threes. But now let's get into the story synopsis from Delvin. While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. A Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man. The title of this book was Now You See Me. I was running low on any ideas for a synopsis, and so I asked the lads. Jason chimed in with a good one, and if you think I'm going to listen to anything Jason has to say, well, this is my world, and y'all are just living in it. Let's go. We love Spidey, pretty tied up, at the hands of Mysterio, at the bottom of a pool in a nursing home, slowly filling up and setting to drown. Doing his typical woe is me, then rally to muster all his strength thing, Spidey breaks free only to realize that the whole thing was an illusion. If you think Spidey is the first to be fooled by Mysterio, you ain't the first. Worth mentioning that Mysterio still has Ben Parker's killer tied up in an attempt to find out what fortune that he was seeking. BPK, as we will call him, was not happy Mysterio had him tied up, and once he gets out, vows to kill Mysterio. Another way of saying that is BPK is going to choose to live and let die. Spidey makes the wise decision to go home and actually rest and recover, basically falling into a coma-like sleep of 24 hours. Wakes up to find his friends at the door, and rather than saying, back off, to each other, they finally make up, only leaving kind of loose the thread of Betty not going back to Ned Leeds. Spidey gets back into his bad obsession with finding out what Mysterio wanted at May Parker's house and goes to the scene where Mysterio ambushes him and they tussle around the city in a chase that takes like, let's say, 14 years. And after getting back to the resting home again, Mysterio reveals whatever the valuable object he was searching for at the Parker home was no longer there. And so he is off to commit another perfect crime. But before he leaves, he uses his illusion to (laughs) deceive Spidey into thinking a gun Mysterio was holding was fake. But it was real and full of lots and lots of elephant tranquilizer that hit Spidey square in the chest. And Spidey is, you guessed it, knocking on heaven's door. Spidey is nothing but dust and bones. No more double talking jive for Spidey because he's dead. 
Don't damn me. Blame Mysterio. Back to you, Pat. Oh, well, Dylan, I just listened to that. Somehow I just felt like you were beating a dead horse. <laughs> good one. Good one. You used it. That was on Use Your Illusion you 1, though. That was on Use Your Illusion 1. And 2. I, I, I and love two. Poison. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let Jared take care of you on that one. Just leave it alone. <laughs> Double talking dad, take the mother, motherfuckers. I got no more patience. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, very good, very I, good. I want that soundbite Jason just has the ringtone on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to snip that out and send it to you. Let's go ahead and get to the breaker brack for this issue. Is it a first read or a reread? And I know, Jared, I think I caught what you were putting down before on this one. So was it a first read or reread, Jared? Yeah, it's a reread. This is right about where my Amazing Spider-Man collection started. Okay. Many years. Mm-hmm. Nope, don't boo me. It's not like I pilfered them from the store that I worked at or anything. Oh, I've said too much! Art of Dixie. Incredible Hulk 181. I bought that one legitimately. It's a story for another day. Yeah, I think you've told it on this show. Jason. First read or reread? This is a first read for me. Delvin? I honestly can't remember. <laughs> no? It seemed familiar when I read it, but I couldn't remember reading it. That's I know that's that's dumb. Semi-read? Like, remember read? I don't know. I think I'm... you were in a coma. <laughs> oh, I've already ruined the rainbow. So yeah, that's so true. So I, just to put the screws to Jared, it absolutely was a first read. First time I ever read it. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. And it was a first read for me as well. So we let one bad apple spoil the yes, whole damn bunch. Yes. Man, this is going to get tight, boys, moving forward. I don't know what we're going to do. We'll have to figure this out. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to some highs, lows, or what does for this issue. We'll start our first round with Jared. Okay. In round one, my high, I will take the easy one. Salbashima. I love mm-hmm. Salbashima. You know, he reminds me of, well, I don't know about reminds me, but I put him in the same category as Herb Trimping. Okay. And it's always good. It, you can tell uh, he's he's fast. Mm-hmm. He can make a book on time. I think you're onto something, Pat, where they were like, basically, like, just, just get this book out, you know, because we got to get yeah. to 200. Well, what gave it away to me on that was in the first page, as it goes through the credits of their names, he's labeled as guest penciler. You know, yeah, I think they I probably sus- brought him in to help out. Yeah, I suspect they probably gave Keith this month off so that Keith could do 200. I don't know. I haven't looked at 200 in uh, many moons. Maybe I don't even know if it was in my collection or not. I might have skipped from 199 to something. I don't know. I have to read it when we get there. But that's definitely the feeling I get, Pat. They probably let Pollard, you know, really go for 200. Wouldn't surprise mm-hmm. me if it had extra page count or something like that. Let me put it this way. It better look really good. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it would really be good if it had an extra page count because of all the crap we've given Pollard over these last handful of issues. I really hope that 200 is his moment to shine. I'm rooting for Keith on this, but, hey, but Keith Pollard needs a win. He does. He, he needs one. He's one bad. Uh, but until then, like I said, the high on this one, I, I don't want to get distracted is Sal Bushima, man. He's just always welcome. He's oh. always welcome. He's like a comfort blanket that you just wrap around yourself and enjoy the comic. So that, I'm just going to give the high to Sal. I agree. Definitely. The art was amazing in this one. 
Let's go ahead and get to a high-low from Delvin. Yeah, Jared took my words from me. He absolutely, Sal, is he's comfort food for Spider-Man. You're not going to get a bad Spider-Man with Sal Buscema. It's just that simple. He knows how to draw the character. I mean, he knows how to draw many characters. He drew, what, Hulk, Avengers, probably missing some. He's fan- fan- Cap. He drew Captain America. Fantastic artist. Spanned the Marvel Universe globe. But I remember him first and always from amazing, oh, Spec Spidey. And so spectacular artist. All right. With that said, I'm going to give a high to the tempo of the book in two ways. One, it, it was very fast paced. And I mean, which is funny because even in the book, he took, he went into a 24 hour nap, not now, 24 hour sleep because he was so exhausted from the events of the previous issues. But the tempo was very, very fast and rapid, and I appreciated that. But also, the uh, whole tone of the book kind of changed because he finally had time to mend some fences as well, not only personally, but with his friends. And that was a welcome change, too, because Jared's mentioned a few times about just how the book has kind of been a little bit down, a little bit negative. That changed a little bit. There seemed to be a little bit of glimmer of sunshine in this book, and it was it was well needed. My fear on that is it's going to get either ruined in the 200 or something. You know, it's that, oh, everything's great and roses now for Peter. And all of a sudden, boom, 200 hits. And it's like, you know, something's got to happen where it's going to shake up his world. I mean, we don't know what happened with Unmay. That's true. As far as we know, we like it seems like Pete has some suspicions, but he doesn't know, which is why he's been chasing Mysterio to find out. We have no idea what the heck Ben Parker's killer was looking for in the house. Mm-hmm. Mysterio didn't find it. We have no clue what that is and what that whole thing is about at all. Like they've only hinted at it, but they never said anything about it. That is true. Hopefully we will find out next issue. But before we find out, let's go ahead and find out from Jason. He's got a high, low, or oh, what the? Yeah, Delvin touched on it. I think the mystery of what's in the house has really grabbed me at this point. I would have sworn okay, now that Mysterio's onto it, he's going to find out what it is and we're going to get the reveal. And even he's like, man, I don't know. I ain't sticking around to find out. You know, Mysterio's just willing to call this one a loss and move on to his next venture. But I'm left wondering, what is in that house? Like, I don't know, man. Is I don't remember. I don't remember either, either Jason. So 200 is going to be a fun read. <laughs> May got it in her prison wallet or what is happening here, man? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's it, it, in the house. <laughs> either it is or it's so plain on sight that you overlook it and it's like something really simple. I don't know. Uh, so hats off to uh, really getting me involved in this mystery. I want to know and I hope we get some answers in 200. I want to piggyback on that. I hope that, like Pat said, maybe it's in our face. I would really think it's super cool if they were able to reference back to like a panel like there it was the whole yeah. time. And that, you know, it kind of reminds me of the movie Charade. If people haven't seen Charade, I don't want to spoil it for them, even though it's like a I don't know, 60 year old movie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've got that Charade vibe because Charade shows it to you, but it's really hard to notice. So I would love open. that if they did that. Yeah, I would yeah. be like, huge, that'd be a huge win for Wolfman. So we got Wolfman up on that pedestal now. We've got Pollard. <laughs> so you better deliver 200. <laughs> Sorry, it's not even my turn. Well, it's got to be something that takes, you know, the, this guy that was, that, you know, killed Uncle Ben. 
it's, it was it something Uncle Ben had? It made it sound like I don't know. You definitely are right, Jason. This is really intriguing on what's in the house. Plus, you know, this the guy was stalking them in the house too, right? Remember those issues, way issues, way back too. They were like, "Why is this person hanging around that house? And what's going on?" And apparently, yeah. that was like Mysterio had bought the place or something. Didn't he mention yeah. that this issue? Yeah, well, Mysterio. Now, he, yeah, he he has possession of the place because he had been faking as Doctor uh, Reinhardt. Yeah. And when uh, you go to the resting that, home, yeah. you turn over all of your possessions to the yep. owner of the resting home. That's how he technically owns ah, the property. Okay, okay, okay. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. See, it's all this stuff going on that you don't see between the panels. Makes it interesting. I want to talk about Mysterio. I think he is kind of an interesting character. I like how in here, you know, he's always like either floating or there's some smoke going on around him. And how he's using these illusions to really fool people. And even Peter, you know, he's like getting duped like a couple different times. I really thought he was drowning too in the water until he's like, oh man. He just totally faked him out. Do you know how good of an illusionist that you have to be that he would have literally died because he thought that he yeah. drowned? Just so like gotten his head so much that his, you know, freaked him out and anxiety and all that probably would have taken him. Hold one second, Jared. I noticed the look. I have to be fair here. If I'm going to bag on X-Men for having a villain that can do whatever he wants to do with reality, I, I got to say that I love Mysterio's look, but this is a hard pill to swallow. Like the, the technology for those illusions didn't exist even then. I mean, I think the best and coolest portrayal of Mysterio we've ever seen is in Far From Home. And that's using like the yeah. cuttingest of edges, modern technology as of 1975. It's just, it's, I've always found Mysterio a, a bitter pill to swallow. Jason kind of brought up last time because he was like, I don't even understand his power set. And it's supposed to be like movie magic and all this stuff. And I just, it, it, it to me, it's like um, Mutant X or what's his name? Pro Proteus. Proteus. Yeah, Proteus. It's like, it, it's just whatever the writer wants it to be and whatever looks cool. And I get it. That sells comics. Mm -hmm. I get it. I get it. But it's still just a tough pill for me to swallow. And if I'm going to bag on Proteus, I got to be fair and bag on Mysterio too. Two things. Well, one thing. They mentioned it in, in the book. He is an illusionist. He's also a hypnotist. That part I appreciated because I was like, okay, yeah, that would add an extra level with the hypnosis, like making him believe that's what he's seen. So I did appreciate that. I agree with you on that. I was asking myself, like, if that smoke and, and some of those effects were like psychedelics that help him. That's what I was wondering, too. That's possessed, what I was thinking. You know, his victims, so to speak. Only we had an expert in the studio that could speak to that. Psychedelics? <laughs> Peter. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant, like, Delvin is a Spider-Man expert, but okay. We have no, I thought he was talking oh, about you. I thought he was talking about you being out in Washington. <laughs> That's no, true. I was making an MJ's drug habit. <laughs> it is your olfactory senses and messes with your hippocampus. <laughs> <laughs> thanks mj he's got thanks some deep knowledge on certain subjects yes yes that, i was thinking kind of the same thing too jason that you know maybe that smoke that's always booming around him and and not only is it to hide whatever mechanics he's using and things like that but maybe that is to just kind of taint that atmosphere around him <laughs> and it <laughs> and it does negate his spider webs is because it dissolves his web mm -hmm. fluid so i always thought that was a cool detail yeah, so I kind of think he's kind of a 
a neat, mysterious guy, I guess. Yeah, kind of like the effects of Scarecrow from Batman. Yeah. I was kind of thinking of that similar mm-hmm. in power set where maybe by using the smoke and his powers of illusion and his technology, because he kind of uses a smattering of all three to really uh, fight yeah. Spider-Man and convince his his victims that they're experiencing what they what he wants them to believe they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And we're back with Jared for round two. Hilo or what the? Well, I was going to do my Mysterio rant uh, for two. It, not a strong rant. Like I said, there's allowances. It's just a character of convenience a, a bit. But um, since we've already done that, while the pace of the book was frenetic, it definitely did feel like that. Just get the book out to get to 200. There's not a lot that happens, you know. It's It seems like it, but really it's just... Pete takes a nap and mends a few fences. It's a he's feeling. back on. Okay. Here's one thing that did bother me. It seemed out of character for Peter to be like, I got to crash and get a nap, heal up with Aunt May's life and fate on the line. It's that doesn't feel Peter. Like I, I, every other story I've seen, like Peter will take himself to the max for her. Yeah, it, but- like him taking time to take a nap just was like, I don't know. It felt weird. I don't know. I think it was more than a nap, though. I mean, you know, I toyed with that thought, too. But at the end of the day, that scene where Peter's just beat down. And I think he just got to the point where he realized, I am not going to be any good to anybody in this condition. And I think he did the smartest thing he could have done, taking it back to his house, got himself significant amount of sleep, got himself some food, allowed himself time to heal. And I think that that scene with his friends really kind of showed that his mind's now in a better place and he's now better suited to pursue Mysterio and find out what happened to his Aunt May. So, I, you know, I allow some forgiveness there because he has taken a pounding from Kingpin to this point. This guy has been put through the ringer. So, I don't know. Yeah, That's my they, defense. They mentioned... You know, he hadn't, I mean, he other than black, either passing out from pain mm-hmm. or black or being knocked unconscious that he hadn't had any actual sleep in who knows how long. He hadn't eaten in three days and he had just been running on fumes. I, right. I actually think it was a good idea for him to stop and gather everything, even because I think he, he with a clear head, he actually battled better against Mysterio, even though I'll take this into my high pat. Like he, Mysterio still at this point is a villain who can put Spider-Man through his absolute paces, even fully rested. And that was kind of a cool thing to see. And that he had Spider-Man so unsure that he couldn't just charge ahead with his powers and everything. He was guessing left and right about, is, Mm -hmm. is this an illusion? Is this fake? He, he couldn't figure it out, even with the Spidey sense. So that was a cool thing to see that even rested Mysterio was still a challenge for him. Yep, I definitely agree with you on that. And I think that, you know, even Peter was thinking, he kind of mentioned that, you know, did something happen to her? Or now that he knows it's Mysterio behind it, he's probably just thinking, okay, well, everything he was probably telling me is just a lie anyway. Or what he was yeah. making me believe was just a lie. And I need to believe that in order to rest up to get my strength back in order to take him on. I just That's feel, an interesting point. Oh, sorry, I, I feel like that almost works against it, though, because if he's come to the conclusion that, okay, maybe Aunt May isn't dead, maybe this is a thing, that, 
again, to me, that means Peter Parker just doesn't stop. Like, I don't stop until I find Ant-Man. Again, it's nitpicky. You you want the dude to not have any sleep and not have eaten for three days? Uh, That's the Peter Parker. That's the point. That's, that's the Peter past Parker the point of most humans and Peter Parker at that point. That's past exhaustion. That's how he rolls. He does not stop until he finds Aunt May. I or know hey, how he rolls. I'm just saying that's, I mean, that's, ex- that's like, I'm hungry now. And I just ate like an hour and a half ago. <laughs> I, I think I could have, I think I could have swallowed the pill a bit more if like he was literally out still searching when he just Crash from Crash. exhaustion, like in a dumpster, mm-hmm. and then just woke up 24 hours later and was like, man, I got to get something to eat, and then went. But this was like almost like planned, like, I'm going to head home, catch a shower, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't it just didn't. From what I've seen of Spider-Man, and maybe I'm just going too far in the future, you know, when Mary Jane was missing, he did not stop. Uh, the whole uh, hunt, last hunt with Craven, he did not stop. You know, it's he's, he's almost Batman-esque in that way, where it's just, I don't care. I, I'm taking this all the way to the mat. So after he got beat up by Kingpin, passed out, went to this nursing home, found Mysterio, got to the pool thing and blacked out for hours. Still should have just got back up and, and ran. Should, should not have stopped and regrouped at any point. Should have, certainly. But the way Peter Parker's wired as a character is I've known him for, I don't know, 40 years. Nope. Nope. Not for Aunt May. This has happened point. to her how many times, though, before? Hmm. Maybe he's like, you know what? Uh, oh, she's those. died six or seven times already. <laughs> I know. I was like, you uh. have me some no. frozen wheat cakes in the freezer. I'll be all right. I'm going uh, to roll the dice on this one and just, you know, what happens, happens. I don't debate the wisdom of it. It just feels out of character. Sure. I, can, I hear you. Definitely hear you on that. Yeah, you definitely bring up some good points. I don't know. I thought it was a wise thing to do, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's not necessarily a Peter Parker. He's not right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just have this preponderance of evidence of all those other times where he's pushed himself further. That's all. But that's just, future, not this, not this Peter nuts, Parker right sir. now. <laughs> 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 oh, my goodness. What's my right. high pat? I'm glad. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Jason saved it. <laughs> You know how bad we have to be that Jason has to be a yes. voice of reason. <laughs> yeah. Jason doesn't want to continue the conversation. Wow. Yeah. So let's go ahead, Jason. Tell us what's your high low. You guys got too far. To- uh, you touched upon it, Pat. Being duped by Mysterio myself. I l- really like the intro to the book. I was convinced at the end of the previous issue that he was drowning. And then when I saw, okay, cool. Like he made himself the little oxygen mask from his webbing you know so mm-hmm. he trapped some air in there smart move pete and okay he's using his skills and he's always figured out he can use his webbing to try to get the drain and he's used the summoned up all the strength and he empties the drain and now that the water is out he can break the chains and then you realize it was all an illusion and you were along for the ride the whole way so i thought that was a brilliant yeah. bit of writing and magnificent use of displaying Mysterio's powers. So hats off to the writers and the artists for pulling that. Now let me nitpick this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I totally agree with Jason that it was fun to get duped along with Spider-Man, because I did too. In the end, I'm like, Mysterio's kind of a (laughs) bad guy. Like, he keeps pretend killing Spider-Man. Like, yeah, no. Why don't you just kill him? Well, yeah, why don't you just get it over with? <laughs> He's probably too lazy. He's like, God, I gotta, I'm going to have to go and find the 
the water vein. Uh, it's probably going to be tight. I'm going to have to find that little wrench. Oh, no, man. He's like too impressed. I'm not going to be himself. able to fit there with my big helmet on. And uh. he's too impressed with himself. He's like, this is one cool illusion. <laughs> like, but you can actually kill him. No, man, this illusion is dope. <laughs> and But he didn't even want to stay around to watch it. Too. He's like, Mysterio I don't want to stay almost, The name Mysterio almost sounds like it could be a James Bond villain because he was acting very Bond villain. Yeah, fair. I got you set up for the kill. I can watch you die, but nah, I'm good. See, that would Mysterio! be cool. <laughs> in a prison with three walls once again. <laughs> but he thinks there's a four walls and he doesn't know it's open. That would be kind of a cool James Bond villain. One that kind of played with Bond that way, making the illusions like that. Man with the golden gun. Well, I, I know I was thinking of that with the mirrors, but. You know, nowadays, though, with the technology that could be done? Yeah, certainly. All right. Well, does anybody have anything else on this issue? I think we pretty much covered this whole thing. I'm just going to agree with Delvin earlier on and his comment of it's fast-paced. I was thinking, man, this is going to be a slog to get through. It wasn't. It was a really quick read for me. I got through it pretty quickly and enjoyed it with the story that it was just kept going and going and going. You had that little dull moment where he got together and then it was just able to ramp it back up to leave us hanging on what's going to happen in 200. So with that, let's go ahead and find out silly Spidey moment for this issue. Was there one? I don't know if I got one or not. So let's find out if anybody else found something that they found silly. And we'll start with Jason. I think probably the silliest moment was him putting the towel on and still having the Spider-Man pants. Like, how did nobody notice that he's wearing his Spider-Man pants? Come and the on, artist man. tried to be like coy about it in the panels and use like grays on the pant leg to show like, oh, no, they're in shadow. Right. And you're like, no, no, man, those oh. things would stand. Well, when he's closing the door at the end and, you know, shutting them out, you can clearly see his spidey feet, mm-hmm. spidey socks on him. It's like, come on. No one's looking at his feet. Yeah. No, he needed to uh, take his pants off before he put that robe on and came out of the kitchen. So. I don't know. That was kind of the closest thing to a silly Spidey moment that I had. Delvin? So I didn't have anything from the book, but since I have the actual book, I'm going to act like this is a original Longbox Crusade format and do a little add it up. And there is a ad for a place that was called Heroes World that was located on 70 Morris Street, Box 77, Morristown, New Jersey. And they sold all new superheroes rubber masks. And you had Spider-Man, and you had Batman, and you had the Incredible Hulk, and you had the Red Skull? <laughs> Look, I'm not saying I support what he stands for. Mm-hmm. That uniform. But his, but his uniform is so <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you too can dress like a Nazi. <laughs> Like, what? Yeah, let's check out and see which of these kids is going to grow up to be the psychopath. Billy! Yeah, I, yeah <laughs> something about that is like, maybe maybe this was like an FBI program tagged that like, if you ordered the Red Skull mask, <laughs> the FBI automatically <laughs> just put a check mark by your name. Like, let's watch out for <laughs> One to watch out for. Jarrett, what's your silly Spidey? Same as Jason. I laughed when I saw that he had the Spidey socks on. And I was mm-hmm. like, what? I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> really? I, know, I thought I thought the same thing, too. That was mine as well, too. Is like, really? The socks on? Because there was really no good 
quippy, wordy stuff. I mean, he was calling him fishbowl, and but you know, it's like, yeah, all right, that's not super funny, at least not to me. But you know, he, he's right. The guy's got a bowl on his head. Okay, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I'm agree with you on the Spidey socks. Hopefully, in the 200 issue, we get some really good funny moments in here. I'm not sure. I mean, he's coming up against the dude who killed Uncle Ben. I mean, that in itself isn't funny. If he doesn't, you know, decide to take a break to rest up a bit, maybe go get an ice cream in the park, you know. like Perfectly in characters. (laughs) I was supposed to do today. Oh, yeah. I was going to look for my Aunt May. I was going to say Uncle Ben's killer is pretty resourceful, though. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's like in that Boris Corpse vein where he's just Mm -hmm. a dude, but he's kind of holding his own. I mean. Let's not get too crazy. Boris Corpse is on all other level, but that's right. Uh, he's a, yeah. he's just a dude doing pretty well. He probably read Boris Corpse's self help book. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like uh, <laughs> I can super villain and so can you by <laughs> Boris Corpse <laughs> thugging for dummies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, join the corpse with Boris Corpse. I get it. It's spelled like core. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I got it. It's funny. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for at least. It's, it's one pity. of your better bits. Give me the pity. Evening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to some ratings for this issue. And it's a one through five rating. Five is you loved it. It tickled your tummy feathers. Four, you really liked it. Three, liked it. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It ruffled your tummy feathers. Delvin, what did it do for you? I liked it. I thought that a decent amount happened. I like that the tone of the book changed. I like that Peter was perfectly in character with the actions that he took. Jared, man, if we were in person, boy, I'll just hit you right in the saw hole. That's what I do. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I give it a four. I did like it. It was a and a pretty good cliffhanger, too, because Mysterio mm-hmm. just had him guessing the whole time. And I like how he had him guessing where Spidey could never just charge full speed ahead, whether he was exhausted like he was in last issue and at the start of this one or whether he had a full night's rest or whatever. He was recovered from the exhaustion. He could not catch up with Mysterio at any point and could not get any closer to figuring out what the heck's been going on. And he's been trying now for about three issues. So Spidey's at wit's end trying to figure this thing out. He's just, he can't do it. So I think pretty good cliffhanger heading into mm-hmm. 200. I give it a four. Jason. I thought I was going to be the high point with the four on this one, to be honest. Uh, but I felt exactly the same way. I thought the pacing was really good. Really wrote me in by duping me with Mysterio's powers. Real innovative use of the power set. I feel like I got to know the character of Mysterio a little bit more. Still have questions, but felt like I had some answers. I like seeing the transformation of Spider-Man, Peter Parker starting to make amends with his friends. I think this is what makes the book good. You have ups, you have downs, and you, it's just a roller coaster ride of emotions in Peter's life, and you go through it. So I think this was a good timing for that as well. And like we talked about the mystery, what is in Aunt May's house? I want to know. So lots of things that have me hooked going into issue number 200. Hope it's a good one. Well, I am going to throw my card in with you and Delvin on a four before we get to Jared, because I'm kind of wavering on where he might be. So I am in on a four with everything that you guys said to great characterization, had me duped in the beginning, 
And then even had me questioning again. It's like, come on, Spider-Man, you know, how can you not understand this now? But then they would tell it, like, you know, Mysterio had ways of really tricking Spider-Man. And even when he was, his game was back up to normal, he could still do it. And just made me believe all the stuff that happened beforehand, how much he was really duping him. And what's going to happen in 200? I don't know. I'm excited to read it. You know, this has been a story that's been building for, boy, five or more issues now? Even longer, maybe? That Oh, yeah. It's been a while. Pretty much ever since Wolfman's been Marvel, on the yeah. book. And even before, because they started setting up the whole dude going to mm-hmm. Aunt May's house with Ross Andrew and Lynn Wayne. So that's been a storyline that's been carried on for a couple of years now. Yeah. Jarrett, are you going to join us at the four? Are we going to? Let me tell you one thing that this book was missing. Doctor from the hospital, when Peter wakes up from his nap, and and the doctor's like, Have a good sleep there, Pete? (laughs) Yeah. Where's your aunt right now? You don't know, do you? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead and make some breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and do that. You get off your ass and find that. So I feel like I'm the doctor uh, in this issue. But at the end of the day, yeah, I'm going to go with a three on it. I thought it was fine. I did like the lighter tone. Again, the character didn't ring right for me. It rang right for others. And that's that's okay. Small nitpick. Sal Buscema was welcome. Looking forward to 200. So, yeah, I'm not bitter about it. Just good sure. three for me. Understandable. I, uh, you've if you want me to do a four so we can open the door and get on the floor, I guess I will. But I was feeling a three when I read it last night. <laughs> That's fine. We'll see how we'll save save that dinosaur for another day. Absolutely. Don't fake it. It was a three to you. It's a three. It was also missing Stegron, clearly. Clearly. Ooh, could you imagine? Oh, somebody slept in. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Super 200 episode with you, with me, Stegron. Like like Mysterio pulls off the, the, the fishbowl bubble and stick around underneath. I'd be like, yes, it's, it's a five. <laughs> Surprise. All right. Well, with that, that'll bring this part of the show to an end. You got a comment or a question? Do you agree with Jared or do you agree with us three? Let us know. Send us an email at contact.longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter Instagram, or Facebook page, and we will be right back. Uh, I don't know. Modern day comics just don't seem to have the magic the older ones did. I wish I could go back to those days. What? What the? Wait, you're me, but, but I'm me. How is this possible? I'm you, from the future. What happens to my voice? Oh, well, uh, actually, I kind of was eating peanuts before I came back, and uh, one of them went down the wrong tube. I'm still trying to get it out, actually. (coughs) Nothing. Well, still, the future must be terrible. I mean, your hair's half burnt off. Oh, well... Actually, I tripped and fell over the stove. What about the scar on your face? It's a paper cut. And the eye patch? I was looking through a telescope and accidentally pointed at the sun. Look, I have a reason for being here. I built a time machine so you can go back to the past and check out the comics of yesteryear. 
I figure you'll either enjoy the good old days, or you'll gain an appreciation for the current comics. Maybe both. Can I bring some friends with me? Sure, but only one at a time. Well, there you have it. Join me, Mike Staley, and an assortment of co-hosts as we look over the world of DC Comics from half a century ago in my new monthly podcast, DC 50 Years Ago. Who are you talking to? Uh, Don't worry about it. Just check out DC 50 Years Ago on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called, and at dc50yearsago.podomatic.com. Seriously, who are you talking to? Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the second featured comic for this episode, which is determined by our Crusader Club members. Club members get to vote on this segment using the online poll only available on the Longbox Crusade page at patreon.com. As always, we want to thank our Crusader Club members for voting to help determine the programming for this show. If you want to get in on the voting and all of the other amazing benefits of being a Crusaders Club member, just head on over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. You can join for as little as $1 a month and help determine what each episode's second feature will be. For this episode, the Crusader Club members selected X-Men number 128. Credits for this issue are provided again by Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Publisher was Marvel. It's got a cover date of December 1979, but its on-sale date was September 18th, 1979. Cover price is 40 cents. Editor is Roger Stern. Writer is Chris S. Claremont. Esquire! Penciler and plotter go to John L. Byrne. Inker is Terry Austin. Letterer is Tom Orzakowski. And the colorist is the color me bad colorist, Glennis Queen. You can read along with us in reprints in Classic X-Men number 34, Essential X-Men Volume 2, Trade Paperback, Marvel Masterworks Volume 37 of the Uncanny X-Men Volume 4, Uncanny X-Men Omnibus Volume 1, and also on Marvel Unlimited. And we hope you do read along with us and make some comments on our social media areas. Let's go ahead and get into the cover. Cover credits go to penciler George Perez. Ooh. I saw that name. I'm like, ooh, it's going to be a good one. Anchor is Terry Austin. So, speaking about that Perez cover, let's go ahead and get a cover description from Jared. The Marvel Comics group banner is orange with black letters. At least I think it was. That's the persistence of my memory. The color box is also orange with the floating heads of Wolverine, Colossus, Storm, Banshee, Cyclops, and Nightcrawler, none of which have an extravagant mustache. The X-Men logo is honey yellow with blood red highlights, but the honey is sweeter than blood. The main action shows, as the cover blurb states, the day reality went wild. The X-Men are scrambling to survive in a surreal world where all the buildings around them are unnaturally warping and crumbling. Cyclops is in the foreground, blasting a building, which I really think just causes more rubble, as Colossus tries to hold the building up in quite the, here's the word, in quite the lugubrious game. Moira McTaggart kneels in shock in the face of war. Wolverine watches Nightcrawler, who is rescuing a person while flying like Superman. He's like a still life, moving fast. Banshee, I mean redheaded guy, stands around looking concerned with Storm, much like swans reflecting elephants. And Polaris flies around because she just doesn't want to dilly-dolly. What you got, boys? 
I don't know. I'm I'm Salvador Dali. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I slipped in a number of the names of his paintings. References mustache. Gave it away at the end with Dilly Dolly. Persistence of memory is where I I I got it. I got that's the one people call it melting clocks, but it's called persistence of memory. So I actually had to go to Wikipedia, look up some of more of his famous works, work them into my cover (laughs) synopsis. Because it had a very Salvador Dolly look to the cover. You did some hard work uh, this go around. You did yeah, some... I, I didn't want to disappoint you, man. Mm-hmm. Pro- I, I appreciate that. proud of me. Yeah. Not only am I learning artistical techno lingo from when you talk about covers, but I'm also learning history and all this other stuff that I would never got. Yeah. You, co- you, know? you clearly know your four square. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm a four square master. Nice. You know, maybe when we all get together. We can do a little four square. Hey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we can start. Nice own, try. Uh, high five and all that. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we could try our own, you know, LBC four square team. It was four of us. We, we can bring the beat down on all the other, other people there. That's right. Well, the us, us versus the fire and water podcast. <laughs> I believe we can defeat those, those punks. There's no four square <laughs> playing punks. <laughs> bring it on. If you want to challenge us. The LBC crew is looking for a challenge. You got a four-square team. We got a four-square team. Bring it. it All right. Look, Double looks like he wants to say something. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I've been on mute. I was just like, oh, bring it on. Absolutely. Looking at you, Ryan Daly. <laughs> you, Shag, Siskoid, that guy that does the fire music water film thing. Rob Kelly. That's the name I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before... Jared starts naming everybody, or doesn't remember everybody. Let's go ahead and get some cover thoughts. We'll start with Delvin. Yeah, man. I looked and did a double take, and I was like, wait a minute. Is that George Perez, the legend George Perez? And it was. And, I mean, I have nothing but great things to say about George Perez as far as his artwork and as far as him as a person. And for whatever reason, just that picture of Cyclops alone just makes it to me. It's all weird and kooky and dynamic. And we're so used to seeing Dave Cockrum's covers that it's not like Cockrum draws bad X-Men because he doesn't. He draws great X-Men. But I just it was a good, refreshing take. And I like the colors. I like the weirdness of it. I like the action in the weirdness. Just all around, really like the cover. Uh, What do you think, Jared? All right. (laughs) Honestly? Didn't know it was Perez until we hit the recording tonight. I thought it was a burn. That was a really okay. good burn. But when you said Perez, I was like, oh, snap. And I looked closer and I was like, oh, okay, okay, yeah. And yeah, I remember a smaller screen for me. So <laughs> if I saw it on a bigger screen, I might have caught it. But no, pleasant surprise. Looks good. Like I said, the surrealism, it's truth in advertising. Most of what you see here happens in the book. So yeah, I like it. It's got a lot of energy. And I want to go on record to say that of all the color combinations and the uncanny X-Men logo, I like the yellow with red highlights best. I agree. I think that really makes it pop. The one that stands out a lot with that logo. Anybody got a different color combination they like better? Mm, I like it. Well, there one. Is there a blue, yellow with the blue? They've done a lot of different ones depending on the tone of the cover. I've seen purples and whites, and they've mixed it up a few times. But I just like the red and yellow. Just dig it. I think that's probably the color scheme of when they put it on the arcade game, too. I think it is. Yeah. Which may it's on the cartoon, like too, it. I think. 
Oh, good thinking. I think it's the cartoon I, logo. I didn't think of that. It's yep. yellow and red. It's probably all those little subtleties that have ingrained it in my brain. Mm-hmm. Jason. Really like it. I think this summarizes the action really well. I love the colors as we talked about. I love the pose of Cyclops in the foreground firing that optic blast. That's always a really good visual. They make effective use of the space to get the vast majority of the characters onto the cover. And it shows the menace that they're facing. So I think, you know, it kind of hits all the high marks for me. Good action cover, lots of great characters and great action poses. And it encapsulates the story well. Well done. I think I agree with you guys as well, too. What I like about it is the bottom part with whatever that gooey kind of goopy stuff that's in the purpley. I think that definitely plays in with that color palette of just so much color on this page that it's really pops and shines along with that awesome artwork. You can't go wrong with Perez on this. It's just really nice. Let's go ahead and get into the cover rating for this issue. Uh, Again, it's a one through five. Five is you loved it. It gave you a ring to swing from. Four is you really liked it. Three liked it. Two didn't like it. And one you hated it. It turned you into a baby. Jared. Okay. Oh, it's a tough one for me. Tough, tough one. Because I kind of want to give it a five just because like, oh, it's Perez, you know? But I'm like, is it any better than some of the cockroaches? Okay, some sure. Burns, you know? Would I make a poster out of it? Oh, this is tough. This is tough, man. If Joe November was here, I'd probably give it a 4.5. You know what? Before I make my decision, I'm going to take us on a side story real quick. I recently, mm-hmm. wa- Jason's going to want to pay attention to this. I recently I'll watched the, the Nick Fury movie that starred david hasselhoff Ooh, yes yes and he's fighting the main boss at the end and out of nowhere like uh, nowhere she just ends up grabbing a ring to swing from and <laughs> swings in there and kicks him and i was like where did that <laughs> ring come from and i was like jason will appreciate this moment <laughs> did, did, she, did she go five <laughs> <laughs> anyway i took as far afield there but when i saw her do that ring to swing from i was like it's <laughs> funny anyways Back to this man. Um, I'm gonna give it a four and reserve the right to give it a five if I need to at the end, so we can hear the song. <laughs> okay. Well, guess we'll let that uh, be. Somebody check the rules. Yeah. <laughs> My rules. Oh. Yeah. If is, everybody is, else gives it a five, just just go ahead and play the song and just assume I bumped it as well. I I like it. It's a strong four. I mean, it's Perez. Okay. It's exciting. I like I, it. Delvin. I'll make life easy for you, Jared. I'm at a four. Mm. But I, I did feel some of your struggles there because Perez almost alone could just say five because I'm a Perez homer and I like Perez. But I thought it was good. When you ask the question, is it any better than, say, the best burn cover that we've seen so far or the best Cockrum cover? Excuse me, not not burn. Cockrum's done the covers, really, that we've seen, right? I don't think we've seen any burn covers yet. Ah, oh boy, I can't remember. Maybe, maybe one. Uh, right? One or two? Maybe. I, yeah. Mostly yeah. Cockrum. Yeah. Mostly Cockrum. Either way, the answer is no. Very good cover, though. No doubt about it. But it's a four for me. Jason? I'm at a four as well. Perez, Homer, just like you fellas. Like I said, I think the heroes are depicted well. I think it encapsulates the story well. The only thing that keeps it from being a five for me is uh, lack of the villain. You know, here they're fighting the buildings. And I remember specifically... A very similar five we gave to a cover somewhat like this, but they're fighting the Sentinels that Cockrum did. 
And I think that's mm, yeah. kind of missing. The missing element for me is the lack of a really cool villain on the cover for them to be fighting against. So strong four, though. Really beautiful cover. I'm going to be there with you guys as well. So let's go ahead and open the door. Let's get on the floor. I am going to give this issue a four. We got a song either way. With that cover description and rating out of the way, let's get into the story synopsis. And that's brought to you by Jason. Cyclops, Storm, Banshee, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Colossus, Children of the Atom, Students of Charles Xavier, Mutants. Feared and hated by the world they have sworn to protect. These are the strangest heroes of all. These are the X-Men. Stanley presents the Uncanny X-Men. This one's titled The Action of the Tiger. So when we last left our band of merry mutants, they were engaged in desperate battle with the nigh-omnipotent Proteus. Proteus, having chased down and possessed his father in Edinburgh, had abducted his mother, Moira, McTaggart. Now with his father's cruelty fueling his awesome power, Proteus is lashing out with his powers against the entire city. Our current story opens with the X-Men desperately using their powers to save Edinburgh's residents from bizarre deaths as buildings become carnivorous monsters and storefronts transform into swarms of bees. Cyclops leads his troops in a desperate battle in order to attempt to push Proteus away from the populated city center. As their evil opponent fights back, the team members manage to just stay alive by a combination of teamwork and pushing their individual powers to the utmost. As the battle rages up to Edinburgh Castle, Cyclops plays his ace in the hole, knowing that Proteus's only known weaknesses are his insatiable need for human hosts and metal. Cyclops has denied Proteus access to the former and serves up the latter in the form of Colossus. Isolating Peter, who until this moment has remained in his human form, With a famished Proteus on the castle ramparts, Peter suddenly transforms into his steel form and delivers the coup de grace. He punches through the heart of the would-be world conqueror. With the battle over, victory is bittersweet as Moira is left to mourn the deaths of her ex-husband and her son. Back to you, Pat. Thank you, Jason, for that insightful synopsis. We use power too much, should have edited that better. Better than I could have. I see Jared's chomping at the bit to just take a shit <laughs> all over this <Yeah>. book. <laughs> just, all right. First of all, that synopsis was too long. Second of all, <laughs> that was two minutes. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get to the brick or brack for this issue. Is it a first read or a reread, Delvin? Won't matter, but first read. Jason. 
He's right. It doesn't matter. It's a reread. <laughs> Jared? This is a reread. Really? No, it's a first read. <laughs> oh, you had me. I was like, whoa, really? <laughs> uh, Howard, Howard D's nuts. Damn, <laughs> I didn't work there either. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, got you, Pat. What do you think? First read for you? It's a first read for me as well, but you're right. It doesn't matter. Mm. Sad rainbow. No butterflies in the sky this, this no. episode. Mm. Can't fly twice as high. No. Don't even bother taking a look. Nope. No. Yeah. Somebody I already read the book. book. Mm. You order the red skull mask, and you burn the book. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that's bad. Oh, so nice. uh, but but your uniform is crusty. Reich, reading Reich. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to high lows or what does before we go off the rails more on this one. So, Jason, you got high low or what the for this issue? I've got a high. I think that this book really brings together the team for the maybe the first time in a way that they work together in near perfect synchronicity and order to defeat a being that is more powerful than anything they've ever fought before. And I liked it. I liked each character was just well-balanced and acted heroically and to their nature. And I think this is the first time that I've really seen the balance about right. I know it's a little bit cheating because I'm not picking a specific scene, but I'm saying the theme throughout the book. Sure was just about perfect as far as character in terms of storytelling. So that's a high for me. Delvin? Along those same lines, a high for me would be at one point, I was reading through the book and was like, man, this is a good battle. It was pulling out every stop that they had to stop this impossibly powerful foe. And you got to see bits of strategy such as, Cyclops giving his all to make sure that the team was going to come out on top. And the tender moments, even like Storm seeing folks attacked by bees, but not wanting to kill the bees either. And yep. so she came up with a humane solution for both of those. So I don't know. That's, I, I just, I definitely enjoyed the battle. It was fantastic to me. I thought it was just a very fun read. Jared, you seem to have some stuff on your mind. <laughs> Don't so, I always. Do we want to let you do one, or should we just let you rattle it off? Uh, just stop me when you've had enough. <laughs> I'm talking to you, Pat, because Delvin's going to say that's enough as soon as I start. <laughs> so I know how this bit works. You're already on thin ice. <laughs> What's funny? All right. I, okay. Let's just start with this. There's definitely a clue in the fact that you have John Byrne as a plotter. Because basically what that means is Chris is like, hey, draw all those really cool pictures that you draw of funky things and reality warping things. I just need you hit these high notes along the way so I can put in the words in the right spot. That's basically what that means. The last issue was very art driven. This one's very art driven because basically I complained to the last issue about Proteus. He's too powerful. He can do whatever he wants. So basically Claremont's got him doing whatever looks cool as John draws it. His power set is such that these guys should never stand a chance. It's like, it's it's just ridiculous. It's too far apart. So I went on that tirade last time. So let's just put that on the shelf. It still stands, but Jason's right. We had some good character stuff. We had some good tactical stuff going on. So I would say it's an improvement for me 
from last issue, even though I remain not a fan of Proteus. It's just an excuse to get lazy with the writing, I think. But having said that, I do like the team building aspect that Jason brought up in this issue. It did help. I, once again, I'm going to find myself at the other end from Delvin, and I just laughed out loud. And she's like, I can't hurt these bees. <laughs> like, what? You are in a fight for your life, and I don't want to hurt the bees. Well, I, I'll defend her a little bit because not only was it a merciful way to deal with the bees, it was an effective way to deal with the right, bees. And I'll grant you that. I mean, like, if I had Storm's power set, it's probably what I would have done. Strong mm-hmm. wind, get the bees out of here. Yeah, so I mean, it, <laughs> but, it matched both her compassion just, for all living things and and an effective way to remove the threat. I but guess. are they are they actually living if they're made up by? Yeah, therein lies the question. <laughs> they, two seconds ago, they weren't even real bees; they're bricks, just like yeah. made up things. Well, they're bees now. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just, I just thought it was funny. Like she was really passionate about these bees that four seconds ago were bricks. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay, I, I guess it just felt a little weird. But it's it's. I just thought it was a little bit silly, but it, it in the end it was it was fine. Again, improvement I think from last issue, uh, but I, I just don't think I'm ever going to be a Proteus fan. I'll just leave it at that. Does he come back? I guess I don't know. I'm, this is my first encounter with him. Yep. Okay. Damn it. <laughs> he said, "Oh, Jared, just you wait, just you wait, Jared. <laughs> come you know, for you." And sometimes I'm going to keep going. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, Scott's a really good with the strategy and tactician and all that. But like they mm-hmm. told him from the get go, his weakness is metal. So I'm like, Wolverine, Colossus, go handle this. <laughs> like, that's my strategy. That is 100% my strategy. But they tried, though, separately before. Yeah, it, is, know, what it, it's, is. Yeah. it is and what it is. And Wolverine tagged him pretty good. At one he did. Point he did. And, and I, I, liked, I really like the Colossus moment that he got put the mm-hmm. kibosh i yeah. noticed that too i noticed how earlier in the issue he was in his human form and not armored up i was like oh this, this is gonna come into play later on <laughs> they're, yeah. they're playing this up <laughs> yeah i thought that was smart kind of this along the same lines as we were talking about with the spider-man you're kind of along for the ride like oh he's not he's not armoring up okay there's going to be a reason for this and you're taking along for the ride there until the very end when he's like and i think again and sorry to steal your your time but to my point about the character development i thought that was just beautiful with colossus because it the one panel you have the savagery of him armoring up and literally punching through the heart Mm -hmm. of this villain and then still in his armored form from battle holding moira as she she cries because of the death of her her son Mm -hmm. and and her ex-husband so you see the tenderness and the compassion as well as the fierce warrior spirit that's within Colossus, which makes him to me like one of the more interesting characters in the X-Men. I do think, agree with you guys as far as this particular issue being more character-driven, more team-building that's working together for them. That's one thing, as I was reading it through, it went by, kind of gelled the whole book together that way. You had the slow build-up, especially from the last issue, as they were getting beat and they were getting beat. And then Proteus got away, and they're like, okay, now we got to go find him, but what are we going to do when we find him? You know, how are we going to take this guy out? And to see Scott's leadership pull the team together, but it has also focuses, you know what? Yeah, people are getting hurt around us. We need to take care of them first, or at least get them out of the way so then we can get to business and take this guy out. 
I was going to say, I mean, that's definitely been the MO for the X-Men for decades now. And this is kind of the start and the foundation of it, where even in the midst of this battle with this just terribly powerful creature that they looked out for human life first. So that was appreciated. And then a part of Scott's plan was to get him isolated and away from people, not only because Mm -hmm. so they won't have to completely use, you know, he won't be able to use the citizens of the town against them, but also there would be less targets for him to jump to as far as possessing another uh, human being and taking another life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely some smart thinking on Scott's part. Let's go ahead and get into round two. Two, and we'll go back to Jared if he's got any more. I suspect he does. I suspect he does. Let me now complain about. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm going to take what was my old nickname in college, low hanging fruit. John Byrne can draw his ass off. <laughs> I mean, he's so talented, it hurts. He's just fantastic. And tip of the cap to Terry Austin, his longtime anchor. I mean, they are just in the zone i mean it's quote apollo creed one two one two one two one two exactly <laughs> i mean it is great it is just great to quote beavis it's just great <laughs> it's just great yeah the, the art doesn't really get any better than this and i know i've mentioned this before but i mean that goes all the way to the letterer i think this cat lettered the x-men for eternity because i can look at letters he did. If you, took, if you took everything away and just showed me letters, I'd be like, that's an X-Men book. Or Joukowsky was lettering the X-Men when I started collecting it in the 90s. Yeah. And this I, is the 70s. He, he lettered them forever. Ever. I want to say he also did New Mutants. Because I want to say that was this. I felt the same lettering vibe when I was, because I was reading New Mutants when it was coming out new <laughs> uh, in the 80s. But uh, yeah, I just, this cat is a distinctive letterer too. So I mean, just, Every mm-hmm. facet of the art team here, colorist, yep. uh, it just all comes together really well. So you didn't expect me to say something super nice, did you? But man, the no. art team here is just incredible. Hats down to that. I agree. Definitely the art from the colorist to the letterist to the artist in Inker were fabulous. Delvin, you got a high, low, or what the? I appreciated the little backstory they gave. I didn't even know if it was necessarily necessary, but it was nice to see them very quickly explain to some new reader how Mutant X was able to escape what should have been an impenetrable prison. And they did that based off of some of the earlier X storylines that we started reading, mm-hmm. where like that. they were in that very pitched battle with Magneto on Muir Island. And because of the results of that battle, that battle wound up having them face Proteus. So Magneto unwittingly had a hand in this whole thing. So I thought that was a good tie-in. And I would bet that Magneto's probably going to rear his head sometime soon because they mentioned Magneto again. I think the past issue, they mentioned him like just licking his wounds. Maybe it's two issues ago. So I I like the backstory. I like the mention of it. Just another good point to the book to me. Jason. Well, continuing with the theme of character development, one of the other specific moments I really liked was when Wolverine, who's oh, totally stealing my moment, Go ahead. Oh, okay, <laughs> where Wolverine, you know, he's totally had his world turned upside down. He's been beaten, humiliated by Proteus. He's for the first time in his life, he's afraid. Yeah, he's like yeah. a dog licking his wounds, mm-hmm. or just and cold. yet, 
you know, he runs into battle when uh, Aurora is captured in that and entombed in that amber. He knows that if he takes time to free her, he's going to leave himself vulnerable to attack again. And he does it anyway. He saves her. And, you know, to me, that's one of those redeeming moments and just good storytelling where we've seen the heroes push to their paces and rising up to this next level and coming together to save one another and to continue moving the fight forward. I thought that was just a really good moment and just one of several moments in the book that just had me enthralled throughout the whole fight. So well done. See, I thought you were going to say the other moment of where Wolverine jumps out of the bushes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because Proteus was just taking out Gene and he's like, I love her. And like, oh, wow. He he says that out loud, you know. I don't think we've seen (laughs) that. I think we all glance at Cyclops like. You, you catch that, bro? Did you, did you hear that? <laughs> Got weird fast. <laughs> and and this is, at this point, I mean, this is X-Men canon. Mm-hmm. But Wolverine always, not always, well, but, saw, espe- yeah. but especially once the Phoenix kind of awakened, no pun intended, the power that Gene really had innately it's, I mean, it's worth mentioning that for a second, the Phoenix was powerful enough to stalemate a character that was so ridiculously powerful, the character could manipulate reality. And Phoenix mm-hmm. was able to hang with that character for a little bit of time before just it just took a slip and that was all it took. Yeah, so a couple of things mentioned there, like because yeah. that's going to rear its head well, in the yeah. very near future, too. Just... Yeah, that's- Mm. I was going to fold into that, too, as well, as you see bits and pieces of her just kind of going, you know, taking things to the next level. And we saw it last issue and the issue before that, just things going to the next level for her. And one, you know, she doesn't realize it. And everybody else, do they? Do they not realize? Like, you know, hey, she's, this is different from her. And, you know, what's going to happen? And. Wow, you know, she's just yeah. like, more is like, you know, man, she's like super powerful, you know. Yeah, you and work. also keep in mind that even at the end, after she almost died, really, at the hands of Proteus, in a few minutes, she was still able to telekinetically fly herself mm-hmm. and like four other people up to the top of the castle. And they're like, she's able to do that right now, right away. Like, she's yeah. powerful. She even surprised herself. She didn't even know nap like Spidey. Nope. Just yeah. needed a little time to get himself centered. <laughs> I'll tell you who did, though, was Wolverine. That's one thing I guess I just can't stand is like a, a messed up Wolverine. He's like, oh, oh, no, Proteus is making me feel sad inside again. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't ever want to see a Wolverine that I think needs cuddling, you know? <laughs> I just, yeah, when he saw Gene in trouble, his penis was awakened. Let me tell you. <laughs> did you just say his penis was awakened? Yes, he did. <laughs> I <laughs> am penis. <laughs> Oh, I should not have encouraged you should this. Not, uh, don't, don't, don't encourage this. Oh, sorry. I have the same feeling in my stomach now that when, was when he busted out <laughs> Max when Kathy was here on action. <laughs> like, oh, God, no. Anyway, back to you, Pat. It's what you choose your words carefully around Jason. Choose yeah. him carefully. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, does anybody have anything else for this issue? It is just. 
disturbs me when Wolverine needs cuddles and consolation. <laughs> I just think that's weird. I'm like, does it bother anybody else? Or is it just me? No, <laughs> it, it's character. Well, it totally is out of character. And I thought it was used to good effect because it was showing that Proteus just what he was doing, like literally ma- manipulating nature was screwing with Wolverine on a primal level because Wolverine is very much a, you know, primal creature and was like out in the woods, like roaming like an animal for a while. Like, so I mean, that's very much as a part of who he is. And like this character just can come along and just flick his hand and mess with it. And it just screwed Wolverine all up. Yeah. I did mention that because of his heightened senses that it's like mm-hmm. the, the sick to your stomach feeling you'd get with Proteus change in reality as a normal person for him. It's like, times a hundred so mm-hmm. i got it i yeah. it's just it's what makes me uncomfortable I'm like I, I can't handle sad wolverine you know and and we do got to remember too this is early in the development of the character too maybe chris would have done it different later but again i don't think it's bad it's just i just think it's kind of weird that's not true. bad they're just they're different still, they're still kind of filling his character out rounding it out to where to what it will become all right. Well, with that, let's find out who went the extra mile. Jared, do you have someone for your extra mile with this one? Well, I think I'm going to go with probably everybody's instinct. Is one of my favorite X-Men. That Colossus moment at the end was really good. I'll be honest with you. You know, I was kind of doing that Jared thing going through it. I was like, okay, we're doing the starting to flip a little faster, not necessarily reading every word. Like, okay, we're doing the fighting reality Proteus thing. Okay. And then I was like, oh. Wait a minute! Something cool just happened. Let me go back here. <laughs> Let me go back here. Read this a little closer. And I was like, "Oh yeah, that's kind of cool." So I mean, yeah, I love Colossus and him getting that moment of mm-hmm. power. And then, like Jason said, on the flip side of that, comforting Moira. And again, big ups to the art team. I love how he's so big. Yes, and she's so small and almost frail, even though she's not a frail character. It's nope. just really yeah. good representative art of just sort of that moment. So yeah, it's all Colossus for me. Delvin. I'll go with Cyclops. I love that they even let Havoc have a moment because one of the characters was talking about, oh, how heartless is he? And Havoc's like, heartless? Him? Man, if only they knew. And mm-hmm. that says a ton about leadership. And sometimes you have to make sacrifices and you're doing stuff and no one will ever really know how it affected you as a person because you're making that decision in the heat of battle. You don't know what demons that Cyclops has to battle away from that. He was making the right decision that he had to make in the moment. And that's something that's always been a pretty good characterization of Cyclops. And that's what he was doing here. He did it to save. He had to put his team on the line, but he was doing it ultimately to save the lives of the town of Edinburgh, but to save also the lives of his own people. And he was willing to put himself in the line of fire to do so. And he mm. gives a lot of credit for me for that. Absolutely. That is a good point. You know how much mm-hmm. I love Cyclops and it was kind of, it was really cool to get the Havoc perspective. So yeah, I yeah. Uh, know it's not even my turn, but great, great moment in the book. Good catch. Uh, I, I agree too. I am torn between Colossus and yes, I said Colossus. <laughs> I just love I it. Know, but I love it. It's you. That's so pat. It's okay. <laughs> Colossus and Oreo. And- yep. Colossus and Oreo. You mix them together. Mm. <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> and with Scott, 
Cyclops. You know, I had two great different moments in it that uh, really speak to me. So, boy, it's a hard one for me to choose. So let's see who Jason chose, and maybe I might be able to. You know, I think the great thing about this book is you could choose any character. Every character has a moment, which is really a sign of a good story to me. You know, I, I would agree that Cyclops and Colossus are kind of, you know, race that level. But for the sake of diversity, I'll say Nightcrawler, right? Because Banshee's That's trapped inside that hole, dying, and Nightcrawler dives right in after him, stuck in the same trap, knowingly going into the trap and using his teleportation skills to his utmost to get them both out to safety. Takes everything he has, every amount of courage. I mean, to me, it's the same as you know, a soldier give, giving his all for his buddy. Like, you know, fire be damned. I'm going out and I'm going to get him. And it was moments like this throughout the entire book that saved the X-Men's lives and earned them the victory. So I'll pick Nightcrawler just for the sake of diversity here. No, that's a good one, too. I didn't think about that one. The, you are right that they all had their little moments in this one. In the end, though, I think I'm going to give it to Colossus just for that ending was something I didn't expect, and and it took me by surprise. And I was like, "Whoa!" He just totally annihilated that guy. And with that, let's go ahead and get into our ratings for this issue. It's a one through five rating. As five as you loved it, it gave you a ring to swing from. Four, you really liked it. Three, liked it. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It turned you into a baby. Share it. Oh start man! Start us off here. Start at what level you want to give it. Put me on the spot again. I almost forgot to mention that I, again, feeling out the character of Wolverine. Like, it was a cool moment where Cyclops uses optic blast to slow his fall. But, no. like, there's no way Wolverine's going to survive that fall. I'm, like, pretty sure you could drop him from any height. He's going to be okay. <laughs> but, but, hey, you know, that again, this is early in the character. Anyway, having said all that, let me score this thing. I'm going to give it a solid three. You know, I'm not a Proteus fan, and that drug it down for me, but really good art and a couple of cool moments we talked about with Cyclops and Colossus. Very solid three. No beef. Delvin. I'm at a five. I enjoyed the heck out of it. It was just, again, if I I stop in the middle of the book and kind of just remark on how good I think the book is, and there were so many great character moments in the middle of such intense action that I'm at a five. It was a very good buildup to get to this point, and it just came out a winner to me. So that's where I am. Jason. I'm throwing a five on the pile as well. This is, as I read through this, and I've read this story a couple times now, and again, as I'm reading through it, it just, it reminded me, this is why I read the X-Men. This is the team at its best. This is the writing and the art at the best, at the top of their game. You know, and I know Proteus isn't Jared's cup of tea, but Proteus reminds me of this. Did you all ever watch the Twilight Zone? And they had that episode where there's there's a boy that has the power to shape reality. And the parents are so afraid of this kid. He gets tired of his sister talking, so he removes her mouth with just a thought. That's what Proteus is. It's the power of a god in an adolescent. And... It's scary as heck, and this isn't the last time they're going to face this power, but this first time they face the power, like, it's terrifying. It's terrifying beyond a level of even Magneto. So I think the villain was excellent. I think the story was excellent, and they ended it 
perfectly. That last panel was the perfect panel to end that story. So five. Wow. I am going to give it a four. I'll meet you guys half halfway between the three and the five. I'm giving a four. I liked it. Kind of what Jason said as well, too. Good character moment. Good team building. Did it take me to that five? Uh, I, I just can't do it. There's something holding me back in it. It may have been the Proteus and the drowned out, a little bit of the drowned out story here, but uh, I still dug it. I still dug it. Four so, is respectable. Yeah. Three's a pile of <laughs> we gotta remember if I give it a three, it's like a five for anybody else. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a that's a good four for him. Yeah, I'm the grumpy X Men guy. Yeah. Yep. So I'll I'll take that three. We'll take that three. All right. Well, that's gonna bring this part of the show to an end. You got a comment or a question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Longbox Crusade Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. We'll be right back. Okay, so a new podcast needs a new promo. I mean, how do I start? I'm J. David Weeder. You may know me from the internet. I didn't invent the internet, but the internet was invented for me. No, that's way too egotistical. Uh, It's got to be awesome. It's got to catch everybody's attention. Also tell people what the show is about. So first things first, high energy pop music from the 80s. Hi, I'm J. David Weeder, here to tell you about my new podcast, Spockward, a Star Trek podcast where I will talk about Star Trek twice a month. I guess, I guess that's pretty much it. Wow, it feels like there should be something more there, something grand and something epic. It also has to sum the show up, but I don't want to sound desperate. Maybe I should try another take, but this time there needs to be some epic epicness to it. Let's try this. In a world. Oops, 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 let me try that again. In a universe replete with Star Trek podcasts, one guy will challenge the status quo by boldly talking about Star Trek on the first and third Sunday of every month. Yeah, I probably had it right the first time. Spockword, a Star Trek podcast on the first and third Sunday of every month at Spockword.com or wherever podcasts are accessed. It's Star Trek fandom with a heaping helping of social awkwardness. Spockword, you get it? Yeah, you get it. See you at Spockword.com. Weeder out. Did I really just say Weeder out? Come on. Welcome back from the break. Now, let's get to the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. We're thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to Longbox episodes, voting to help determine show content, and so much more. These are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much-appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Oh. Hey, uh, it's me, Elmer and Elvis. Bill Beer. Wow. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robertson. Dave Collins, but you know him as Battle Wagon. Gary Viola. Gerald Green. Jeremy L. Jumpin' Jim Jumpin' Jim Jumpin' Jim Jumpin' Jim Jumpin' Jim Jumpin' Jim Jumpin'. I hope you like Jim Jumpin' too. It's even funnier that Jim is the widest. <laughs> I don't even think he listens to the show. I think I'm doing this for me. Yeah, you are. I, if Jim if Jim's listening to this show, I would be amazed. Anyway, Joe Thomas. John Watson. Jose Pollo. Josh Strickland. Kathy Bright. The monstrous Mark Hatherland. Maxwell Traver. Michael Wagner. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick. 
present Rob Morgan, Ross Michaud, Ryan Daly, Samantha Maining, Sean Urbanski, Steve Cronin, Tim Price, Toronto Cup, and Brad Morin. If we miss anyone on our list, we apologize. Keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. No worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. As a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member by heading over to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Don't have any extra scratch lying around, but still want to help us out here at Longbox Crusade headquarters? Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just star ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show, and we will share your review on the next show. We're moving on to social media, like, shares, and retweets, talking about Crusader Chronicles 52 from June 1979, where we talked about Amazing Spider-Man 196 and X-Men 125. Adrian Wyman. And we keep leaving our wallet with El Sedano. Alejandre Rodriguez. Alan J. McCandless. Alvin White. Angelica Fetty Woof. Anthony Harris. Auburn Elvis. Bill from the Bat Pod. Bill Dunleavy. Blair Ching. Blake Martin. Bobby Chu. Captain Freakout Psychedelic Radio Podcast. Carl Gibson. Charlie Green. Charlie Malik. AU Chief. Chris Lydon. Chris Shea. Chris Sheehan. Chris at BTON Bat Books. Clinton Robinson. Clinton Walton. Coffee and Comics. Dale McIver. He can use duct tape to help Dan Delby. <laughs> oh, McIver. Got it. Darren Sutherland. David Jenkins. Days of High Adventure Podcast. Desi LaSalle. Demetrius Scaltsunis. Dwayne Muth. Efrain Gutierrez. Etienne Space Ultimato. <laughs> Let's call the whole thing off. Fan Film Friday's podcast. <laughs> Francesco Venegoli. Gene Hendricks. George Johnson. Green Lantern HG. Greg Tuck. Howard. Howard D's Nuts. <laughs> I think that's Hazy Thrills Seeker. Oh, that, that was very well done, though. Yeah, that was good. Even in alphabetical yeah. order. See? The much better pass. Yeah, that is good time. That's good time. <laughs> Take it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hazy Thrills Seeker. Ivan Pedrosa Bolivar. Ivan Shutley. James Carmona. Janos Zabo. Y'all, we got an NFL wide receiver legend here. Jerry Rice. That's uh, Jerry no, Rice. No, Jerry Rice. Oh. Well, who knows? He might have caught some passes. It's Jerry Grice. <laughs> Jim Roche. John Carter. John Mouser. John R. Smith. Camta Gaskin. Kathy Bright. Keith John Helwig. Kendall Christoon. Kenneth Stevens Sr. Kevin Hobson. Lee Rankins. Lucas Taida. Manuel Lopez Cavalcante. Manuel Cañete Mendoza. Mark Freed. Marshall Ramirez. Marco Tavares. Mark Acosta. That's GLHG. Is it? Mark De Simone. Yes, it is. Mark Hatherley. Martin Gray. Sir Martin Gray. Mm-hmm. Matt Large. Matthew, he got leg. That was how to use him. <laughs> Max Reads Comics. Michael Davis. Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout. Nikki McBroom. Pablo De Medellin. Paul Bitabub. 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 Paul Barant. Paul Edward Graham. Paul Sharp. Peter Marinkovic. Petros Leontinakis. Philip O. Oh. Philip Walton. Good night, Philip. Good night, John. <laughs> oh, man, Walton's still playing tonight. <laughs> yeah, I you know. Yeah, Philip Walton's one of my training partners. That is a big man. Renato Arthur I.W. Arthur. Richard Myers. Richard Vito. Well, then what do you want it to be? <laughs> 
Vito Jokes. Rick Heineken. Rick Tyndall. Robert Lewis. Rodolfo Perez. Rolando Diaz. I got Darren. Only fair I get Ruth. Ruth Sutherland. Ryan Daly. Scott Olson. Secret Wars, and that's where it stops, podcast. No, no, that's not, no, that's not true, Jared. Keep oh, going, Jared. Secret Wars and Beyond. Yes. Sorry, got lost. I was staring into Beyond. Uh, Seth Wishard. Simon French. Steve Ellen Elvidge. Stephen Campbell. Terry Gambrell. Tim Barbara. Tim Price. Tony Hadley. Tony Lee. Give me a beat. Ain't no stopping like that. Power pack. Power pack. Power pack. Can't stop. Just mailing it in at this point. Late. Late. Van Allen Plexico. Good old Plexi. Bernard Jeffries. Vic Sage. Vincent DiCataldo. Vincenzo Polidoro. Will Hernandez. Last but not least, Willie Wilson. We will move on to web and email comments. It was only one from the site, but, you know, we always say if you post something to the website, we're going to read it. So I will read the comment from an unknown entrant, and it said, Reinhardt is Mysterio. (laughs) What? Oh, my gosh. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Now we give it away. Spoiler alert. Thank God I don't read our webpage. Looks like we got a combat dispatch here from our sniper, Kathy Bright. She says, I keep replaying the mention of front buffers. Had to be sure you weren't asking for whoa. front fluffers. Whoa, whoa. Nobody said we're not asking for front fluffers. <laughs> be clear about that. Call me. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, he just got a text. <laughs> I'm going to take one from our always commenting buddy, Green Lantern HG. And he says, how do you know it's a great episode when everyone wins a trophy for the Phoenix Call? (laughs) I am Phoenix! Uh, It's going to be his new ringtone. And and Jarrett, you could have won the trophy on your own for that jeans joke, but not against the power of the Phoenix. Uh-uh. Ah, so close. <laughs> uh-uh, that's funny. I was so close. So, so close. close. Okay, let's do a comment from Tim Price, who is always welcome on the show, not in person, only in the comments. And he asks, does Jared like X-Men now? Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> I mean, we must have caught you like, I don't know, you must have just had like some good medicine or something because you're all like, I love X-Men and they are so cool and they're the greatest. Hey, it was a, it was a good issue. You know, like I said, I'm not a fan of Proteus, but I like where this is going. And I think we're about done with Proteus. So I'm looking forward to see what comes next. I'll be open minded. So you're, you're more like Playboy and an X-Men comic fell out. It's like, oh. <laughs> That's a perfectly good joke, Delvin. I don't know what Jason was doing. <laughs> oh, I was doing I know. No, I no, no, you were not. Right, now now I need to hear not. Jason's joke separately from Delvin's. What were you saying? Jason's <laughs> his good butts were before. My joke. <laughs> and we'll let the listeners decide which is funnier. Okay. Visualize Jared reading a Playboy, and then an X-Men comic falls out. <laughs> Dumb. Delvin, what was your joke? <laughs> My joke was, it looks like Jared is Contius. It's the opposite of Proteus. Yeah, yeah, it was better when you guys combined. (laughs) We'll have to to merge our jokes somehow. (laughs) Maybe our two jokes will make one funny. And then I said... Our Phoenix! (laughs) Oh, what did you say, Pat? Have you met my friend Howard? (laughs) Howard who? (laughs) 
How are you, Pat? How are these nuts? Oh my God! Oh, oh, oh Phoenix! Oh, you got so much outtake, real stuff just then. <sighs> and we have a comment from. Uh, it might be the first time that he's commented, so we appreciate that, Keith John Helwig, who just said, "Such a great time for comics," and we agree. That's why we're covering them. But thank you to everyone for the likes, shares, follows, and comments. We appreciate your friendship and your help in spreading the word about this podcast. And that's the show. Be sure to check out the website, longboxcrusaderchronicles.blogspot.com, where posts will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to thank Jason, Jared, and Delvin for joining me this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Delvin. You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Jared. I am at Yard Sale Artist. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. And you can find me at Dragon Con in Atlanta over Labor Day weekend. And this entire crew will also be there. So if you find my table, there's a good chance you're going to find other members of the LBC. So come find us at Dragon Con 2021. Yay. Bring us some little Debbies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Howard, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Who's Howard? And, oh, Howard D's nuts. <laughs> it's funnier every time. <laughs> and if you want to interact with us via live chat, you can be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles. Join us on our next episode of Doing It Live Stream on YouTube the second Sunday of every month at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. Check out the Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel and click the bell so you will get reminder notifications of when we go live. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Crusader Chronicles. You got a comment or a question? Email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us on the, the next episode as we continue on the crusade to breathe the Intro music for Crusader Chronicles is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J O S E F L I N 99. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. Which scent do I want to burn? Do I want to burn Pound Town or do I want to burn What's Up Beach? <laughs> oh my goodness I got Mysterio right here Mary Jane how did you get Weasel's Weasel's call Mary Jane how did you get Mysterio F***ing up my own gag <laughs> You didn't like the Howard D's nuts joke It was, good joke. It was a good joke But I think it, you sprung it on us In an unprepared moment I think it was the timing and the delivery 
that was what I wanted to do. But anyway. Yeah. It's okay. I mean, sometimes you, you win some, you lose some. Like, I mean, me, my my joke rate is like crash. about like about nine ninety seven. Personally, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, those three percent, you know, out of a thousand, yeah, sometimes I mess up too. Yeah, <laughs> I was just personally sitting here going, "Man, my bit killed, my mm-hmm. bit killed," and I just totally missed your bit until mm-hmm. it was like the moment we passed. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's all about your guys' bits, not about Pat's bits. Bits and bits and bits. Bits and bits and bits. I was, it, it made My me bits laugh. Are just bits and pieces. Jason, Jason got his bit out and he probably he spent the next minute and a half like, damn, damn I have one clever son of a bitch. <laughs> he's sick in his head. Good one, Jason. He's good one. He's like, Papa that Mary goes Jane, the weasel, man. the weasel. Papa goes oh, the weasel. Go, the weasel go. He's like, when I do that voice in Mary Jane, man, I got that down. Now. <laughs> I was say it's a good thing because Mary Jane can't ever die. That's good, I can't lose her like I lost Sean. Yeah, that's true. Maybe you got the the taint of. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like, and now they're laughing at that one. Yeah. <laughs> the taint. <laughs> Whatever. Let's get started. I go back on me. My bits, <laughs> my bits ain't happening here. Gonna be no bits today for Pat anymore. Oh no, Pat! Please come back. Think he wanted us to say that. Oh, that felt so heartwarming. And uh, all right, let's get going. Here I love your go. bits, Pat. I know. So do I. I wash them. <laughs> they smell good for that special day. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All right. Oh, wait, before I get started, I forgot to mention, I mean, because Jared did actually, no, you didn't see me eat dinner, but like part of my dinner, I there was like this chicken uh, and there was like some asparagus and there's some potatoes. I had to put some cheese on it. And then there's also like some sliced pistachios that went with it. And like I made sure I put the cheese on it before I heated it up, you know, because like I didn't want to put the pistachios on and then put them in the microwave because what would I have, Jared? Now, I really did think about okay. something. All right. We're, we're good to go now. I feel better. Oh, hold on. Jareth. Yep. Knock, knock. Who's there? Howard. Shut Howard up. Howard D. Ah! Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do it. <laughs> Brilliant. Just brilliant. Uh, well I hate done. you all. You saved the show, Jason. I hate you all. Oh, for good reason, Pat. For good reason. <laughs> Thank God Jason's here to save the show. Yes. yes. <laughs> brilliant, Jason. Brilliant. <laughs> now, he's, now he's going to him. I can see it in his head right now, too. Damn, that was another good bit, Jason. <laughs> you, are, you are on fire tonight, Jason. Killing it tonight. <laughs> Okay, as an aside, so I could learn these terms. First, I watched a YouTube video. I was like, I'm going to watch a YouTube video on how to play Foursquare. And it was... Uh, we used to play Foursquare all the time. Let's just say it was very, very modern. Because the gal, she was like, I'm coach so-and-so. And I'm going to show you how to play Foursquare. And they had like the, you know, the kids got in. And they had like a line of kids. And she's like, if your ball goes out, that's called good try. What would she call it? Like, nice try, good effort. And you give a high five to everyone. Because now you're out, you go back to the end of the line and wait for your time to return to the box. Like, wait a minute. No, when you're out, first of all, you're f***ing out. There's somebody else going, get the f*** out of my square. Good good effort. (laughs) Nice job. High five. No, no. You are f***ing out. (laughs) Get your (laughs) <laughs> yeah. 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 Like you're looking at a dumb with your finger and a thumb. <laughs> 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 oh, L. 
yeah, on your forehead. You could tell it was very modern, like for the kids. And I was like, this is not how we play back in the day. Right. <laughs> oh, anyway, uh-huh. you could edit that out or save it for it was uh, brutal. foul language outtakes or whatever you need to do. But I, <laughs> yeah. I was truly amused by like how soft it was in the video. I was like, what? No. Nice try, high five. <laughs> what the hell is no, that? No, because re- I remember because we used to do the thing where you would we would use our forearm and like slam it, like try to skip it so that it just skips and bar- like barely touches yours. You know, so I mean, it it got intense. We would in the corners. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh gosh, if you put one up that floated into the dude's thing, you're gonna get tense. It's it's suddenly dodgeball. It's yep. you know they're just they're gonna cream you. They're gonna spike you. Mm-hmm. Nice try. Spike you. I spike you. Yeah. We'll start our first round with Jared. Was not prepared. <clears throat> Nobody ever is. You caught me mid. Um, what did he call? Uh, <laughs> Graham cracker. Graham cracker. I didn't even see you eating. I was looking at the screen. Yeah, I was sitting there. And then, you know what? With headphones on, these the crunch sounds really <laughs> I can't hear <laughs> So it was like crunch, 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 Delvin. And I'm like, oh. I've put good cover it off. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Selling nuts. Hot nuts. Anybody here want to buy my nuts? Hot nuts, I've got nuts for sale. When I hog 
hunger, he begins to grunt. When a man gets hungry, he begins to hunt hot nuts. Hot nuts. 